There are three types of stories that capture my attention. A good love story. A good entrepreneurial business story. And of course, a good dog story. Today, I'm going to bring you all three wrapped up neatly in a bow. Hello, I'm James Jacobson, and welcome to The Long Leash. When Jess Stone fell in love with her fellow international aid worker, now husband, Greg, she knew that she would spend a lifetime on two wheels. Greg was an inveterate, unrepentantly passionate motorcycle enthusiast, and Jess was a city girl who didn't even know how to drive a stick shift car. But they loved each other. So they bought motorcycles in Liberia in Western Africa so Greg could teach Jess to ride. He turned out to be a less than patient teacher, but a great road partner. And that is how the story began. And it has taken them on quite an adventure around the globe. I caught up with Jess Stone at her current home in Guatemala. Jess Stone, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So you are joining us from Guatemala. I am. I am joining you from our Roughly HQ. <laughs> so two wheels and four paws means? It is two wheels as in a motorcycle, mm -hmm. four paws as in my German Shepherd rides on the back of my motorcycle. And this is the beloved Moxie, who is what, 75 pounds? She is 75 pounds. Yep. She's five years old now. Okay. So I am fascinated about how this whole thing started. It all starts with where so many stories start. You fell in love. I did. I did fall in love uh, with my now husband, Greg. Uh, we were both international aid workers and we were living in South Sudan. And uh, he had this big dream to do a big motorcycle trip from Los Angeles all the way down to Chile. He had already done it from Los Angeles to Panama and he ran out of money. And so then he said he, he had to go back and he wanted to do it. And so his dream was to do it in a year's time after we met. And so he said, he's going to do it and I can come along, but I have to learn how to ride a motorcycle. And had you ever ridden before? Never ridden myself. I had been on the back on motor taxis in, in Africa, but never, never even knew how to drive standard. So it was a learning curve. You grew up in Canada, I'm assuming. I grew up in Canada. Okay. Yes, in Toronto. Yeah, where right. I always took public transit. So there was no real need for me to be able to drive. <laughs> Big city. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so he said, okay, well, you have to ride a bike. And you, because you were in love, said, of course. Or was it a little rougher than that? No, it was exactly that. It was, I didn't want to give up on this relationship yet, and I wanted to see where it was going to go. So we both bought bikes in Liberia in West Africa, where we were living, and he taught me how to ride. Okay. And so practicing in Liberia, you know, a pretty normal place to, to just start your motorcycle education. How, how did that go? It was not easy, let me say. Yeah. What's the first, your first moments on a bike? How was that first ride? 
it was tough. The bike felt really heavy. I was really anxious. Obviously, there were a bunch of people around watching because there's this girl like learning how to ride and white like, girl with blonde guy. hair learning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so they were all standing around watching, and I was just so nervous about dropping the bike. Like it wasn't a very expensive bike. It was a little street bike, yeah. but still, it was that feeling of it's my my bike. I don't want to drop it. So it was difficult. And my husband was not the kindest teacher. Uh-oh. He was the type of, you can do it, go and do it, do it now type. Yes, sir. And uh, I think I needed a little bit more love <laughs> to feel a bit more comfortable. <laughs> okay. So I'm assuming Greg has evolved or you've just evolved to that level of like, okay, well, this is what it takes. I have learned not to let Greg teach me anything anymore. Um, <laughs> if I want to learn, I will do it on my own. Or I will get another professional to teach me how. But uh, yeah, no, I, I eventually got into it. Um, I only did about 2000 miles in Liberia before mm-hmm. we decided to go back to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And that's where we bought the bikes where we did the the longer trip. Okay. So when did you and Greg leave LA to head South for this big trip? It then? was in 2013. Okay. We actually went North first. We got as far as Whistler, but it was October. So it was getting really cold. The goal was to go to Alaska. Mm-hmm. It was too cold. So we turned around and then headed South and, uh, we crossed the Darien Gap to get into Colombia, and we got all the way down to Chile. And so that took us about eight months. So at this point, it's just you two love birds on your bikes. And where does Moxie come into the picture? So during this trip, we had passed through Guatemala, and we really loved it. It's like a, a mecca for motorcyclists. It's, it's in the highlands. There's volcanoes. It's all mountain roads. And it was just a really beautiful place. We loved the people. We loved the colors. Uh, and so when we finished the trip, we moved to New Orleans, and we were there for about two years. And it, then it was time to sort of leave the States again and try and live somewhere else, just because we were just so used to living abroad. Two years in one place was tough for us, especially in the States. Too many beignets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and too many flat roads uh, in New Orleans. So uh, <sighs> my husband, Greg, he got a job out here working for a women's nonprofit. They do microfinance for, for Indigenous women. And so he had the opportunity to come out to Guatemala. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So we moved out here and because we knew we were going to be here for longer than we normally are in our other places, then it was the time that I got to adopt my dog that I've always wanted. So you've never had a dog before? Moxie never had a dog. Moxie uh, was my first. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I just moved around too much and I didn't really mm-hmm. feel like it, I was be a responsible dog owner to just have her for a short time and all of that. And I just couldn't take her with me everywhere. It's kind of tough for an international aid worker. Let's talk a little bit about the type of work that you and Greg did in Africa and how all that started, because that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So we both were in international development. We worked on a number of different projects, USAID projects in a number of different countries. Um, in South Sudan, we were doing a lot of things like primary health care and women's health, mm-hmm. things about uh, against uh, gender-based violence, uh, about HIV AIDS. Um, so it was a, a mixture of sort of like the basic healthcare package that we were helping to promote in the rural areas in, in those countries. And so that's what we were doing a lot of the time, managing the people, making sure that that everybody got the resources that were being allocated. Okay. So now let's go back to adopting Moxie. How did you find Moxie? So here in in the town that I'm living in is called Panahachel. It's on a lake. It's surrounded by three volcanoes. 
Around the lake, there are a number of different little towns, and they all have a different, like, characteristic. Panahachal is sort of the jumping off point where you can get the little boats that will take you to all the other towns. Hmm. And I had seen on one of the the Facebook groups that there was an American on the other side of the lake who had brought his two German shepherds from the States. And he had imported them into Guatemala and they had their first litter. And so I saw the puppies. He was saying that um, a lot of people here use German shepherds as guard dogs. Like it's mm-hmm. they, they're big dogs. They want to have them to protect their properties or their farms. And so he had them listed. So of course I had to go over and see the puppies. And uh, yeah, so when we saw them, the first one that I wanted didn't want anything to do with me. She was, we mm. called her white paw. She had a little white marking on her front paw. Didn't want anything to do with me, but I loved her. But our moxie now she was the one who just kept coming up to me jumping on my lap and like she was she was much more friendly than white paw was and i kept telling my husband greg i was like i really like white paw but she really like doesn't want anything to do with me he was like you gotta pick the dog that picks you and i was Mm -hmm. like you're right about that good advice and uh yeah i just fell in love with moxie after we decided on her and uh yeah she um She's a tough one because her mother is a working line shepherd and the father is a show shepherd. And uh, the working line mom is, she's not so much of a pet. She she like needs a job all the time. She has a lot of energy. So that's why he bred the two of them together to sort of temper down some of that working lineness to have more of a pet. But Moxie still definitely got a lot of that working line characteristics and she is very high energy. So when you fell in love with Moxie and, and brought her home, did you have a sense that, hey, we're going to introduce this four-legged creature to these two-wheeled things, motorcycles? We thought about it ahead of time. And that was the conversation that we had. It was like, if I get a dog, what are we going to do when we go on these trips? Mm -hmm. Because it was our habit to go off for a week or two Mm -hmm. and we can go and travel around Central America on our bikes. And we were thinking, well, we could leave Moxie at home and have somebody take care of her here. But did we really want to do that? Like I had a feeling I was going to be really attached, which of course I am. And uh, so when we decided on Moxie, we thought, okay, there's got to be a way that we can bring her along on our adventures. And so we did a ton of research of Mm. what was really out there in terms of sidecars or trailers and to see what we could do because we knew she was going to be a beast. Her mom was 80 pounds. Her dad was over a hundred. We knew she was going to be big. And so we really were looking to see what was out there, but there wasn't really anything that I loved. I didn't want to have a sidecar because that really changes the dynamic of riding. Uh, You got this whole big thing on the side here. (laughs) Like you can't go down like a single trail. You got to like make sure you're basically a car at that point. There's not a lot of off-roading with with the sidecar. No, no. And then the thing with the trailer, it's like the type of bike that I have, like the trailers are more for bigger bikes and Harleys Mm -hmm. and things like that, where you Mm -hmm. can have like the other set of brakes on the trailer. And there's a big to-do of setting it up and making sure that it's connected well. And again, learning how to ride with a trailer on the back. So I didn't like any of those options. And any of the options for small dogs, they weren't going to work for Moxie. There are things that you can put like the dog in the bag in the front on the tank of the bike or a a backpack and you can have the dog on the back or in the front. None of that was (laughs) going to work work for 75. (laughs) Uh, Although at the beginning, Moxie, when you first started, was a puppy. 
Exactly. So you were acclimating Moxie to this. Yeah, we, we got her used to it. So we started with, we wanted to see how she would take to it. So we had a milk crate. And that was the first thing we started with. And we put it on the back of my bike. Uh, we lifted her up. We put her in there. We turned the engine on to see how she would do. And she was great. She just sort of sat there, just panting away and relaxed. And she didn't just... mind the noise or the vibration. or No, and that's the one thing that I love about being here in Guatemala and having this dog. Because Guatemala has fireworks all the time. So mm. it, it's a big to-do here. There's always fireworks and they're just the sound fireworks. It's not like the beautiful, like you can see all these things. No, it's just sound. <laughs> so it sounds like you're being, your town is under attack and there's mortar <laughs> attack happening, but it's not, it's just fireworks. And yeah, a lot of the dogs can get scared obviously by fireworks. And we all know that mm -hmm. Moxie could care less. She, uh, she is perfectly fine with it. She grew up with it. So any noise of the motorcycle, that's like nothing in comparison. So I was really happy about that. Ah, okay. So she's conditioned to those explosions and living in a war zone, but yes. Okay. So you put her in the crate. How old is she in her first crated adventure? It was, she was about six months old at the time. Okay. I think that was when we sort of felt comfortable after doing some initial training and, and feeling like we could take her out. Was she harnessed in there or she was just sitting in a milk crate? She was sitting. We didn't ride with her. I didn't really ride with her in the crate. We just had the engine on in oh, the driveway. Okay. Uh, I didn't ride with her. It wasn't until our next sort of progression from the milk crate that we, um, we started practicing with her. And that was basically an early version of the current product that we have now, which is the canine moto cockpit. And it was basically, uh, it's the, basically the bare bones of what we have now, which is just basically a metal frame that was mounted to the back of my motorcycle, which allowed her to lay down. She's in the laying down position. And yes, we do harness her and we harness her in the front. And then she's got a waist belt on her harness so that she can be harnessed in the back as well. So that way she can't lift her butt up in the back. Or if there's an emergency stop, she can't like do a somersault. So she's she's there. So when you say what we have now, what we have now is you basically decided to develop a cockpit for your dog, then built a company around it, which is what we have, which is what roughly is R U F F L Y is now, and it is uh, really creates these cockpits for dogs now. Exactly. Yes. Roughly creates canine moto cockpits. When we initially started, we once we figured it out as roughly that mm -hmm. we really loved this product and it was working well for us, mm -hmm. we provided the build guide so that if you had the skills to do the welding and the upholstery, mm. we gave you sort of the measurements of how we did it so that you could do it yourselves. Because I had so much fun riding, have so much fun riding with Moxie that I wanted other people to experience it. And soon enough, we had so many people coming and asking like, I can't do this myself, but can you build it for me? Like when you sold the plans, how much were a set of plans? Uh, they were like, at the time when we started, they were like $65. Okay. So these are the plans. Just do this. Get out your uh, Radio Shack welding <laughs> kit and go find the, the upholstery and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And then people said, that's a lovely idea, but I can't do it. So he said, I can do it. And so, of course, you said, well, we'll just have these manufactured in China. No, you didn't. What did you decide to no, do? No, we didn't. We, we work with a, a metal shop here in Guatemala mm -hmm. where we do the build remotely. So it's a really unique process in the sense that we have customers from all over the world. They basically take measurements on their bikes. We ask them to take photos of their bikes. 
we mark up the, the photos so that we can have the proper, we tell them to take which measurements. From there, we create a build guide, which is sort of showing you how the cockpit would sit on your specific bike and with size of your dog. And then from that, we manufacture it here in Guatemala. Wow. And we do the metal work here. We do the upholstery and the painting here. And then we ship it out by DHL all around the world. So it's a totally bespoke product based on your dog and your bike. And I'm assuming there's like, sounds like you're doing CAD or you're doing like some sort of design thing. So you're exactly. going back. So it's a, you do a little consulting process to customize this cockpit, which is a great, a great term for these dogs. So how many of these cockpits have you sold around the world so far? We're close to 150 now. Wow. Yep, from and they're in Australia, they're in Europe. But we've got a number in Canada and in the states. It's been really exciting to see uh, people riding with their dogs. And I was sort of joking about you know having this outsourced to China. You are because of your AID background and the type of work that Greg does. You're very invested in the indigenous communities there in Guatemala. So this is an economic thing for the people in in the area that you work with. Yes. So. When we talk about Roughly, Roughly builds ethical outdoor dog gear. And the reason why we say it's ethical is because we employ a number of women and now men. Most of them are indigenous and we provide them a fair living wage for the work that they do for us. Mm -hmm. We love what they're doing. We want to make sure that they can... The women who do the um, harnesses, for example, that we also sell, they're able to work from home. They can work from home. They can take care of their kids. And so during COVID, there was really no stopping for us because they were still <laughs> able to work from home. It wasn't like they had to come into a workshop and do it here. No, they, they worked from home and they were able to just send in their products to us here. So it's it's really a cool thing that we're able to employ these women. And the, the guys in the workshop are awesome as well. And we're just able to to really create this community of leaders. And it's just such an awesome thing. How many people do you employ? Well, we have a number. So at our HQ, we've got somebody who manages all of the operations right. and makes sure that everything is going out properly in logistics. We have an artisan head who has her artisans below her. And so she and her family are doing a lot of that. We've got the welders at the workshop. We've got the guys at the upholstery place. So there's a number of different moving parts here. There's a lot of people that we're contracting out to do the work. And it's really all around Guatemala. So like dozens of people? or Yes. Okay. Dozens of people all throughout the country. And then you're all communicating, I imagine, in Central America, you know, cell phone and, and just mm -hmm. like texting. And so you're able to communicate back and forth and build this economic engine. What has, you know, the government, what's the view of, of what you're doing from the powers that be? So the interesting thing is the first artisan that we ended up contracting to help us out and to do the embroidery and the weaving that they do here, she actually was part of a program that Greg was working on with the microfinance uh, nonprofit. And so she was receiving loans in order to help grow her business, which was her weaving business. So we worked with her, contracted her, and she's been able to grow her business to employ a whole bunch of other women under her. And so it's just been moving forward. So it's exactly what uh, I think I imagine what the government would like to see, that women are able to uh, have these businesses continue to grow. And we're just really happy that they decided to come with us. And roughly, you don't just make these cockpits, you do other things. I was looking on your website and you make, I think, the nicest poop bag dispenser that I have ever seen. <laughs> 
Yes, our only paw prints poop bag dispenser. Yes. So the idea behind Roughly is when we got here, we saw all the beautiful colors that Guatemala has. It's just so mm-hmm. colorful. And I wanted something that was going to be beautiful for Moxie, but it had to be tough. Like if she's a German shepherd and she was going to get into everything. So it had to be durable. And I really was not finding anything on the market here that really paired those two things. And that's why Roughly started. I wanted beauty and I wanted durability. And that's really what Roughly is signifying here. So we were able to take those textiles and those colors and put them into something that was going to be useful for dog owners around the world. And as you say, these are artisan workers. Again, this is sort of like you're really going in and using the, in terms of the textile work, Mm -hmm. it is local patterns and designs that are Guatemalan. Exactly. Yeah. And they're using their traditional techniques for natural dyes. So anything like the poop bag dispensers and the bandanas and the beds, they're all using natural dyes. So they use like insects to color the cotton thread, or they use the bark of a certain tree to get a certain color. So it's all natural. And that was another like big draw for us uh, and why we wanted to include that for dog products. Well, it's pretty extraordinary, as is your ability to communicate the message through video. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about your YouTube channel and about some of the adventures that you and Greg and Moxie have been on. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it, Everpuff traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me. So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are back with Jess Stone. Jess, you and Moxie and your husband now, Greg, have been on quite a few adventures there in Central America, and you've encountered some pretty uh, <clears throat> interesting things. What are some of your favorites that stand out? So riding and traveling with Moxie 
like riding with a dog in general, you're going to get a lot of attention and people want to drive really close beside you so that they can video you or take photographs um, or that at the heat of the day when you're dying and you need water and you've got all of your motorcycle gear on, somebody has to come over and see Moxie and take photos and want to have a whole conversation. So that's just something that you get used to riding with the dog. You can't get away from that. And it's just, it's great. It puts a smile on everyone's face. The moment that we ride by and they see Moxie's tail hanging down, they do that double take of like, what was that? So that's been really awesome. We've been able to do a lot of cool things like climbing volcanoes. We've done some kayaking. We've really traveled all around here in Guatemala. We've done, we've gone to Honduras. We've done a lot of Mexico as well. So we've had a chance to to really see the area in a really unique way. Because when you're traveling with a dog, there's always those issues of where are you going to sleep at night? Where are the dog going to be accepted? What's pet friendly? What's not? So you really sort of like plan those things out. And they end up really being a lot of outdoor activities. And that's something that we love as well. So being able to, to camp at areas that are pet friendly. And some of the time you just sort of have to ask. You know, that's what we've learned. If there's a Mm. place that you really want to be at and they don't necessarily say that they're pet friendly, we go and ask and we say, hey, we've got this really well-trained German Shepherd. I know (laughs) she's big, but she comes with her own bed. She's scary looking, but she's a gentle beast. (laughs) She comes with her own bed and she sleeps on her bed. She won't jump on anything else. And uh, yeah, she's really well-behaved. So please let us stay. And most of the time they do. So it's uh, it's really good that way and allows us to, to see places like waterfalls and natural places that we normally would. So as you've gone on some of these adventures, you have chronicled this on your YouTube channel, which is pretty amazing. Now, you clearly have a giant film crew with you following everything you do, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> we we basically have four GoPros, mm-hmm. and that's what we're using. And Greg, actually, my husband is the one who sort of uh, does all of the editing and uh, sets it all up. So yeah, so we film on the road. He's really talented. I'm assuming now when now it's kind of fitting in my head. So when you said you went from L.A., does he have any L.A. film background or he just self-trained? He's self-trained. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wanted something that would chronicle it the way that we thought would be best. And he's just been able to really put that together and make a sort of a compelling video for everyone. Yeah, the epitome of a perfect YouTube channel. We will have a link to it in the show notes. It is pretty extraordinary. So it's four GoPros and you tell some interesting stories and certainly, you know, like weird stories where like, you know, stung in the boob, (laughs) gored by a bull, little things that, you know, just happen as we all would have and happen on a normal day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have a few of those. Yeah. We, we like to keep it interesting. There's never been a trip where we haven't had something crazy happen, either something with Moxie or the bikes or the situation. So yeah, it's a really cool thing. So basically one of the things that strikes me about you and Greg and Moxie is in your DNA. There's this idea of doing well, and you are not only doing that in your business and the work that Greg does, but you're supporting an organization called Girl Up. What is that all about? So Girl Up is an organization that I've had my eye on for a long time. They were founded by the United Nations Foundation 
And their goal is really to do leadership training for girls around the world. Mm -hmm. They work in 120 countries. They've helped over 90,000 girls. They've got these cool girl clubs where they do the training and they teach them the skills that they need to advocate for the issues that matter to them most. And so it's Mm -hmm. it's an organization that I've always sort of like looked for and, and been interested in. And Yes, Roughly is really helping the women here and the people here in Guatemala um, through the work that we're doing, but I wanted to take it further. I wanted a greater impact. And Girl Up was an organization that I thought really could use our support. And so I was thinking, well, what can I do that will help to gain more support for them? And I thought, well, I've got something that's sort of unique and that might be a cool thing to, to get some visibility on. Riding with my dog. Uh, it's not something that you see every day. I think a woman riding a motorcycle is is sort of the epitome of empowerment in the first place. It's a great symbol. And then having a female dog on the back, a big dog, that sort of just adds to it all. So I was thinking, well, I could pair those two things. I could do something where I'm riding with my big dog and asking for donations for Girl Up to help support them so that more girls can get more training and so that they become leaders in their community. And so that's what I'm doing now. We have a partnership with Girl Up where the goal is to raise $100,000. And that is going to take place over the course of 18 months where myself, Moxie on the back, and Greg by my side are going to be riding around the world. Wow. When you say around the world, this isn't just in Central America. No, this is starting in Guatemala and on March 5th, 2022. We are going to go north uh, through Mexico. We'll be in, in the States and in Canada up until probably about September. At that point, we're going to fly ourselves, our bikes, and Moxie from Toronto to Europe probably to either Frankfurt or the UK into London. And then we will go south. Mm-hmm. We will go all through West Africa, uh, all the way down to South Africa, back up all the way on East Africa into Egypt. From Egypt, we'll go back over into Europe. Europe will be there for the spring and summer of 2023. And then from there, we will go east. And we haven't decided the full route yet, but the goal is to get to Malaysia so that from Kuala Lumpur, we can ship ourselves, our bikes, and our dog back down to South America so that we can be on the tip of South America and then ride all the way back up and finish in Guatemala. Well, you really got to learn to push yourself. I mean, you really set these low ambitions. You got to be able to do these big, hairy, audacious goals. That's extraordinary. That is extraordinary. And your goal is to raise $100,000 through this effort. And I'm assuming that YouTube channel will help promote exactly your odyssey as you guys do this. Exactly. On on two wheels and four paws, we're going to have weekly episodes so that people can follow along with the adventure and see what we're up to. And the other great thing is we're going to get a chance to visit a lot of the Girl Up clubs along the way in the different countries. Mm. So we're going to see what they've been up to, what they've been advocating for, and be able to share that with everybody who's following along as well. So people will understand where their donation is going and the help that it's providing. So as you do this, you must have uh, created a lot of interest in the idea. I mean, how big is this 
culture, this subculture of people riding with dogs. Clearly, you've sold a hundred of your cockpits. And is that going to continue? Roughly is going to continue as you do this. Roughly adventure. is going to continue. Yep. So we're going to continue. You're going to do this remotely and building on the base that you have there in Guatemala. Exactly. Yeah. The The goal will be to ride three or four days and then be off for three or four days of the week so that we can continue to make sure roughly is up and going and that everything is going well, but still be able to make a lot of progress. So as you progress, there's, there's the Canadian. My Canadian is, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so as you are connecting with people who are buying your cockpits and buying your other products, you must be hearing stories of other motorcycle loving people and dog enthusiasts. Yeah, there are a lot of people who love to ride with their dog. And a lot of the times, like they are the smaller dogs, mm -hmm. but people really, people who do it, like it, there is such a thrill of being able to take your dog on your adventures with you. If you're a rider, you know, and being able to have your best friend with you to go camping and fishing or whatever you want to do, it is a really unique thing. So so we have a lot of connections with, with people who do have dogs who ride with their dogs, and we're going to be excited to sort of meet them along the way as we travel through. Jess Stone, this is awesome. I shudder to even ask this question, but what is the next step beyond this travel around the world? Where do you see your work continuing? So we would love for Roughly to continue to grow. And part of the, the fundraiser itself is we're also going to be giving away 10% of all gear purchases during the, the around the world trip. So anybody who buys gear from goroughly.com, 10% of that will go towards the fundraiser as well. So we're hoping that we're going to get more of our gear out there in the world, people using it and loving it so that we can grow Roughly, so that we can make a bigger impact here in Guatemala as well to get more people on board and helping them and their families as well. So that's really where I want to see Roughly going. That is extraordinary. And I'm sure that as you're there on the bike, you, you listen to Dog Podcast Network, right? Of course, of course. Definitely. It's the first one on my list. The special headphones. <laughs> Jess Stone, thank you so much. We will continue to chronicle this. It sounds like there'll be a lot of adventures along the way, and uh, we look forward to getting updates. Jess Stone, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you again. And thank you for joining me here on The Long Leash. If you enjoyed today's episode, please tell a friend about our show and please make sure that you follow us in your favorite podcast app. If you'd like to connect with us, visit the show's website at longleashshow.com. And while you're surfing the web, I invite you to check out all the shows at Dog Podcast Network and you can find them on the network's website at dogpodcastnetwork.com. I'm James Jacobson. Our thanks to Jess Stone and most of all to you for listening and spending some time with me today. From all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha. Aloha.